Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist and self-growth coach for women in helping professions. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology and self-growth. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I am so excited for you to join me for today's episode. So today I have a very special guest, Kelsey Wonderland, who is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Tennessee. So welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. So yeah. do you mind introducing yourself a little bit about your background and yeah. what you do? Yeah. So like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor in Tennessee, um, but I actually grew up in Florida, in the Florida Keys, which is like a tiny chain of islands um, at the tip of Florida. And uh, I went to University of Florida and got my bachelor's in psychology. And then I came where I am now in Nashville to get my master's and stayed here um, and got my license. So um, now I am in private practice. Um, and I am trained in a couple of types of specific therapy. One is DBT therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, and the other is um, emotionally focused couples therapy. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Awesome. Awesome. And before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about you just recently opening your private practice, which is super exciting. Yeah. Like a couple of months ago. So it's off to a really good start. It's been amazing. It's been my dream actually for like eight years since I decided I wanted to be um, a therapist that my goal was always to go into private practice. Um, And it's kind of surreal that it's actually happened now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of your private practice, what yeah. are your clinical interests? Yes. Yeah, so I love working with women on um, self-esteem, which I know we're going to talk a lot about today, relationships and dating, um, and kind of more the codependency side of relationship issues. And then also anxiety is a big one for me. And a part of why I've been drawn to all of these areas too, is because I struggled with them myself. So I think you know, uh, one therapist said to me one time, like, we are drawn to often work with things that we've experienced. And I just think, for me, at least that's really true. So that's definitely part of when I work with people, um, my style is to kind of share a little bit too about what I've been through or how I can relate to those things. So um, yeah, those are definitely my, my areas of interest. That's awesome. And I completely agree. I think all of us in the mental health field go into, um, the field for something that we have experienced in grad school. Um, cause we did a lot of research. We would always say research is me search because literally <laughs> all of us would yeah. research a topic that we somehow right. were personally affected. Um, right. Either, you know, someone or you've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. So yeah. you describe yourself as a self-esteem and relationship therapist. So mm-hmm. do you mind discussing a little bit about how self-esteem and relationships can impact one another? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that the intersection of self-esteem and relationships is so important and they can both impact each other in a lot of different ways. So 
Um, I would say first, even in how we choose a partner, self-esteem can impact our ability to choose a loving or healthy partner. Um, you know, if we don't feel like we're worthy of having a loving partner because we don't have our own sense of self developed, we may push away a healthy partner or a potential healthy partner um, or have a skewed perception of what we're even looking for, right? So if I don't know how to validate my own worth, I might seek it out from other people um, and kind of end up in a relationship with someone simply because they made me feel validated or they validated my worth. Um, and so I maybe I would choose a relationship um, based on that, like someone showing me attention, affection, or validation, rather than considering other important things that I may want in a partner or need to have a healthier, satisfying relationship, like, you know, healthy conflicts um, resolution or ability to perspective take or um, show empathy or support me, you know, things like that. So I think that's one big way, even just in dating that our ability to choose and what we're choosing a partner based on um, that can really be skewed if we don't know what we deserve and what we're looking for. So I think that's one big way. Um, and then I think in a relationship, self-esteem can impact our ability to ask for what we want or need. So if I don't feel confident in myself um, and I don't know how to even validate my own wants and needs, I might not speak up about them. I might kind of accept behavior that, um, really I'm not okay with, or doesn't really make me feel good about myself. Um, similarly, again, just like in choosing a partner, we can also kind of push away our partner who's trying to be good to us, or if we end up in a relationship with a healthy partner, kind of pushing them away, um, as well as I think we can kind of overly rely on a partner to show us validation or approval. And that gets more into that codependency stuff. So kind of relying on your partner to make decisions for you, regulate your own emotions, validate you if you don't have that sense of self-esteem yourself. So I think those are a couple of ways. Um, and then also more on the toxic abusive side, just accepting behavior that's not okay with you um, or causing your, your toxic relationship can cause you to have lower self-esteem can impact your self-esteem in a negative way where you start to perceive yourself more negatively because you have a partner who's, you know, kind of cutting you down instead of supporting you. So I think that's one way that it can go the opposite direction. You know, the relationship can impact your self-esteem. Yeah, no, thank you for all of that. And I like how you kind of touched on all angles, like yeah. even before you're in a relationship, your self-esteem can impact mm -hmm how you choose a partner, which I think is sure. really important for people to recognize mm -hmm. um, maybe why they're choosing a partner or what kind of qualities they're choosing a partner based off of, but also then how being in a relationship can then impact mm -hmm. your self-esteem, both positively and um, negatively. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like, again, another angle of this is if you have a healthy supportive partner, um, and you kind of enter the relationship with a bit lower self-esteem and you enter a um, healthy relationship, your partner can kind of help you build your self-esteem. And we just have to be careful about overly relying again on the partner for that. But um, you don't want to ever expect your partner to kind of fix you or save you. But, you know, if you have a bit lower self sense of self-esteem or you're kind of in a lower place and you happen to find yourself in a relationship with someone who is healthy and supportive as a partner, um, sometimes it can help your self-esteem too. Or you're in a relationship already, like you were in a good place 
and we go through things in life, right? Like we have to be there for each other at times. And so, um, times where your self-esteem may dip a little bit, sometimes your partner can be there to kind of encourage you and, and help you bolster that a little bit. But again, we want to be really careful, of course, about over, over relying on that. Yeah. And I know we'll chat about that a little as well. Um, you mentioned the word toxic, uh, a little earlier. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about like what unhealthy or toxic relationships are and how one could identify maybe if they're in one? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really important question because toxic has kind of become this buzzword, like toxic relationship. Um, but it's sometimes hard to identify what that actually means. So I always say one clear marker of a toxic relationship is lots of high highs and low lows, especially over a long period of time. Um, so, you know, healthy relationships are going to have their ups and downs too, but if you're feeling like it's a roller coaster, like it's really good when it's good and it's really bad when it's bad. And especially if that goes on again for a long period of time, you might want to kind of examine your relationship or think about whom is this really providing you with, you know, support and all the things um, that make a, a healthy relationship. But it can also just be kind of less, um, less volatile, but just a persistence of unhealthy tendencies. So like a lack of autonomy or um, having attempts to control each other, a lack of mutual respect for one another, a lack of emotional support, um, unhealthy conflict patterns, like hurtful name calling, putting each other down, slamming doors, throwing things, leaving without saying you're leaving or you're, when you're going to be back, um, lack of trust, lack of support. You know, these are all things that I would say kind of mark a, an unhealthy relationship. No, and I love that you just shared like a wide variety of things because I think a lot of times when we think of unhealthy or toxic, which I completely agree that toxic has become a buzzword um, mm-hmm. with relationships, we often think of like fighting or abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and what mm-hmm. you just said indicates there's a lot more than just, it doesn't have to be like abuse. It could just be ups and downs or just unhealthy communication styles. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like one thing that I've realized being a couples therapist and being a therapist in general, working with some of these things is like even healthy relationships have, can have some unhealthy tendencies at times, especially when um, people feel threatened with their attachment to their partner. Like when you feel your partner's not responsive or not attuned or connected to you, it's scary. It brings up an attachment fear um, and we can revert to childlike or kind of unhealthy behaviors, like I said, of name calling or slamming doors, but that shouldn't um, go on for too long in a healthy relationship where hopefully we're realizing, okay, well, this isn't, this isn't good. We got to get it together. Um, We got to go to couples therapy, you know? So it's not to say that if any of these things happen any of the time your relationship's unhealthy, but just that if it's persistent or there's a lot of volatility in the relationship, that's more where you want to look at it. No, thank you. And I I really love that you just said like even healthy relationships do have unhealthy patterns Mm -hmm. at some point, because I think a lot of times, especially in the world of social media, we see couples always posting their like, well, not now during Mm -hmm. coronavirus, but like vacation pictures or like everything is perfect. And like, there's this misconception that like to be a healthy relationship, you have to get along all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no fighting, there's no arguing. And 
I mean, and I know arguing can be healthy, but like even healthy relationships mm-hmm. will have unhealthy patterns because we're all human. Totally. For sure. Yeah. We all have attachment. Like attachment is, you know, something that stays with us beyond when we're a child, we're attached to our parent, but we're attached to our partners very similarly often to how we've been attached to parents. And so again, like those childlike almost behaviors can come out when we feel our relationship with our partner might feel threatened. Like they're storming out of the room and you're like, okay, wait, are you coming back or not? And then you might chase after them or do something really unskillful or ineffective. Um, And so those things are going to happen. It's more about noticing, okay, that wasn't cool. Like, let me reflect, let me calm down and try to not do that in the future. Try to find more healthy ways to communicate, you know, rather than storming out, it's really helpful if people can say, Hey, I'm really overwhelmed or I'm starting to get frustrated. This isn't going to be a productive or effective conversation for me right now. I need a break. I'm going to go for a walk and I'm planning to be back in about 10 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes. If, if you can give your partner just that expectation a little bit, it calms that fear of wait, what's happening. Are you coming back? Are you not? Um, and it, and it can help them to not have such a big reaction to you walking out, you know? So no. And I mean, every, what you were just saying and listening to you, like it comes down to healthy communication, Mm -hmm. which I think all, I mean, this is my personal belief, but you Mm -hmm. obviously see this more because I don't work with couples, but Mm -hmm. like all of us can improve our communication, whether it's overall or in Mm -hmm. certain situations. Um, and, I think that once you learn to identify those unhealthy communicative patterns, which mm-hmm. you're talking about attachment, a lot of it mm-hmm. may come from what you saw your parents do or guardians mm-hmm. or how you communicated in previous relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Being able to identify, okay, this isn't working. How can we mm-hmm. communicate better is helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And especially I would say, for newer relationships, um, that's kind of my specialty when I work with couples or even when I work with a a person who's in a couple and I'm just seeing them for individual. Um, Newer relationships, when you're past the honeymoon phase, but um, you haven't been together maybe too long, maybe year two or year three, it's really common to have some of these patterns show up um, because you're through the honeymoon phase. You're like, okay, we love each other. We're here, we're in this relationship. But then there's a deeper, again, attachment level um, fears that come out and we're really finding out, are we out of the woods yet? We're really finding out, do I really trust you? You know, do you really trust me? And so some of these behaviors come out in that time, but it will feel more like a rough patch. And, and that is not just going to happen on its own. Like we just, you know, see what happens and it's a, a rough patch and it goes away, but that we have awareness in a healthy relationship again, that this isn't how we want to handle things and we want to get some help or we want to reflect and then we get out of it um, sooner and it becomes a rough patch rather than an ongoing unhealthy relationship. If we don't work on it, it can become an ongoing unhealthy relationship. And I think a lot of times when people hit that phase where there's way more conflict, it feels like a 180 from the honeymoon phase, people freak out and they're like, whoa, what's going on here? This isn't normal. Like maybe this means we shouldn't be together. And it might, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's pretty common for that to happen. Um, and you can work through it if you both want to. Yeah. So yeah. no, I thank you so much for all your insights. I, I love hearing um, your perspective on things as somebody that 
works with um, couples and a lot of what we've been talking about with like unhealthy relationships and stuff. And like I said, we think of fighting or abuse or kind Mm -hmm. of those poor communication patterns, but on the other end, Mm -hmm. we can also be codependent in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know you kind of alluded to this earlier, but do you mind talking about what codependency is and then how that can be problematic in relationships as well? Yeah, for sure. So codependency can be really subtle. And like, I always say like anything and pretty much anything in mental health, it exists on the spectrum. Um, and so you can, you can have both codependent and abusive tendencies in your relationship or one or the other. Um, and you can also experience codependent tendencies and demonstrate independence in other patterns. So it's not an all or nothing thing. It can be more extreme, obviously, but, um, even myself, once I became a therapist and started examining my own relationships and my own family of origin, I recognized some codependent tendencies, even though I identified as this like strong, independent woman, you know? So I just want to preface it with that, that it's not an all or nothing thing. And if you, experience some of these tendencies, it doesn't mean that you can't also be independent in other ways. So I would say in a nutshell, codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval, emotion regulation, and a sense of identity or worth. So, you know, what that can look like is, you know, thinking your partner should make you feel happy um, or needing, feeling like you need a partner to be happy, molding yourself to be like the people that you're around or to be like your partner um, struggling to enjoy time alone. And I say enjoy because um, we can spend time alone, but ideally we have some things that are just for us and we enjoy time alone. So I think there's a distinction between struggling to spend time alone and struggling to enjoy time alone. So you want to have your own hobbies and interests. If you feel like you don't and you don't enjoy time alone, um, that might be something to kind of look at in this regard. Um, also difficulty making decisions for yourself. So if you identify as indecisive, um, you might be kind of over-relying on other people to help you make your decisions for yourself. And again, it's on a spectrum, right? Like it's normal. We should, and we do ask the important people in our lives, especially about important decisions. But um, if you're one of those people, like I have been, where you can't decide on the restaurant, you can't decide what you want to eat, you know, smaller decisions, um, developing that trust in yourself to make a decision, I think is really important. Difficulty identifying your feelings or regulating your emotions on your own um, and valuing the approval of others more than you value yourself. I would say all of those are kind of markers of codependency or codependent tendencies, yeah. Um, No, and I like how you, you know, talked about it with a partner, but also just in general, like we don't have to just be codependent on a partner, we can be codependent on um, other people as Mm -hmm. well. And Mm -hmm. um, going back to our earlier discussion about self esteem, Mm -hmm. um, even though you didn't explicitly say it when you were saying like things like inability to make decisions, um, or -hmm. relying on other people, I imagine that part of that may be related to that person's self-esteem. Right. Like I would say again, kind of at the core, it's like excessive reliance on other people for approval, emotion regulation, or your sense of identity or worth. And kind of the flip side of that is lacking trust in yourself and having poor sense of self, not knowing who you are, um, who, what your identity is, or not being able to validate your own self or find worth in your own self, looking for it from other people is really yeah. And it's totally connected to low self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. So are there ways to break the cycle of 
codependency or things that couples in particular, um, since you are a uh, relationship therapist can do to become less dependent on one another. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So once you have awareness of this, you know, awareness is the first step and we can always, I think, do things to break the cycle, to interrupt, to change. So identify activities that are just for you. Um, ask yourself, like, what do I enjoy? And it's like the, um, the question where someone says like, what do you do for fun? And you're like, uh, (laughs) you know, it's kind of hard to answer that question sometimes. Um, but really sitting with yourself and thinking, you know, what do I enjoy? Do I like being creative? Do I like being outside? Um, and even like, what are my favorite shows or things that I, my podcasts or books that I do by myself. So learning how to enjoy time alone, I think is a huge piece of this. And also learning how to trust yourself to make decisions, um, how to regulate your own emotions, learning to self-soothe, you know, all of these pieces are really important. I think for, it's basically identifying like who you are um, outside of anyone else and really building the relationship with yourself. No, I love that. And I had to like internally laugh, obviously not externally at the, like what do you do for fun? Cause I think, yeah. especially a lot of us that were in grad school for like mm-hmm. a very long time, once we get out, we're like, I don't what know. Do I like? <laughs> what do I, what do I like? What do like, I do with all this free time now? <laughs> even outside of a relationship, but I'm just thinking like, you know, and it doesn't have to be somebody that goes to grad school, but like, if you mm-hmm. have been in school for a very long time or like really in work for a long time Mm -hmm. and then you have this relationship it Mm -hmm. might be hard to identify those things that Mm -hmm. you enjoy because you're like okay well all my free time is spent with my partner and so really Mm -hmm. I don't know what I do (laughs) yeah for sure and challenging you and your partner to have um, maybe one day a week at least, but even more than that, days that, or parts of the day that you guys go and do your own thing. You see your own friends or you do activities alone. Um, you know, it's okay to have shared activities. It's okay to have shared friend groups or friendships. And that's great. Um, and you want to have some things that are just for you or know how to spend time alone. If your partner is working or busy and you kind of find yourself like, oh, what do I do with myself? Um, you know, really reflecting and identifying, even making a list of things that you enjoy. And I tell people, this seems to be hard. I mean, it was hard for me and it seems to be hard for a lot of people. And I always say, ask yourself or think about what you enjoyed as a child, looking back to um, things that you liked doing. How did you spend your free time? Um, Were you into like dance or music or something more like art, um, drawing, painting, you know, what did you like to do? And that can sometimes give you some clues of things that you can come back to. No, I I love that question. And I use that question a lot um, Mm -hmm. in a different context, but more Mm -hmm. like when I'm working with teens that are like really depressed Mm -hmm. and they're like, nothing's fun anymore. I'll ask them like, well, what did you do as a kid? And at first they think that's a weird question. Mm -hmm. They're like, I played with dinosaurs or something. I don't know, give like a random answer. But then like, once you have that conversation, you can be like, okay, you might not be really into dinosaurs Mm -hmm. anymore, but you had this specific interest. What did you like about it? Oh, I liked Mm -hmm. learning. Okay. So you like learning and Mm -hmm. same with like art. Maybe as a kid, you liked coloring books, Mm -hmm. get an adult coloring book. See if that's you can translate it to adult life in some way. Yeah. Or even just get a sense of like, oh, I used to be really creative. What happened there? Now I just binge 90 day fiance. That's a personal example. Um, You know, so 
oh, I used to draw, I used to enjoy this. So even if it's not the same activity that you just acknowledge and remember that there is a creative side for you and that you might want to do something or look for an activity in that area. So I picked up playing guitar, realizing I do like you know, being creative, but I definitely don't want to draw at this point in my life. I don't have the skills. I, I don't want to take the time to learn. Um, and so, you know, it was just a different kind of creativity. So even if it just gives you kind of a sense of where you can look, I think that's a helpful thing to think about. No, yeah, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So to kind of <clears throat> loop back to like, you know, this overall theme of self-esteem, we started with the mm-hmm. questions and then mm-hmm. throughout our conversation kind of wove through, but like, how can someone work on enhancing their self-esteem within the context of a mm-hmm. relationship? And then how do you think that enhanced self-esteem will help the relationship overall? Yeah. So I think doing a lot of what we just talked about, identifying things for yourself that you like to do, building your sense of self, which I always say, um, you know, I think there's five components kind of of self-esteem or self-love. So self-respect, self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-pleasure, and self-trust and building each of those areas. So how can I um, feel confident that I can take care of my own self? I know how to soothe my own self. That builds your self-esteem. How can I be compassionate with myself instead of critical? Um, That builds your self-esteem. How can I respect and honor my needs, wants, boundaries, and values? How do I even identify those, right? Like building that sense of self, um, all of those things, I think, build to self-trust. And then the self-pleasure piece is kind of what we just talked about with what do I like to do for fun, you know? Um, all of this self-esteem work is, it's hard and some of it should be fun, you know, like getting back to your own self. And so I think when you do all of those things, you naturally show up differently in your life and therefore in your relationship. Um, you'll have more healthy boundaries. You'll be able to speak for yourself, regulate your own emotions. Um, and as romantic as it kind of seems to have your partner kind of swoop in and help you when you're upset. And, and again, a healthy level of that is okay. Um, it gets exhausting. It can wear down at the relationship when you have a low sense of self and your partner is kind of always building you up, always building you up. And you're not taking any of that on for yourself. So I think just naturally, it helps the relationship to be more balanced um, and for both of you to fill up your own cup and be able to continue and enjoy the relationship together. Awesome. Awesome. I love the five components of self-esteem. I was like yeah. writing it down and yeah. I'm a huge self-compassion proponent yes. fan. I did research on it in grad school. I use it a lot. Um, yeah. So anything related to self-compassion, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it changed my life when I learned about it. I mean, it's like not a word that we hear often. I mean, it's becoming more popular, but when I learned about that in grad school, I was like, whoa, this is big. This is different. I could be kind to myself. Like I could connect to other humans and how I'm not the only one suffering right now in a way that's like, okay, anyone in my position would be struggling with this right now. It's okay. I'm having a hard time. What do I need right now? Checking in with yourself rather than like, you're such an idiot. You, you're late to the, you're late to the podcast interview, you know, get your shit together. Um, It's just a totally different way of talking to yourself and building your, building yourself up and just giving yourself some grace, you know, which I think very much impacts self-esteem. Oh, it definitely does. And um, Mm -hmm. self-compassion goes like, unfortunately goes against how we 
treat ourselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. in general. But yeah. um, the automatic thought is is negative and we're often harsher on ourselves than we would be on someone else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like even asking yourself, what would I say to a friend in this situation? Would I be like, you're such an idiot. You, you are late. You're, you don't have it together. What are you doing? Da, da, da. I would hope not. <laughs> right. Like, um, but to ourselves, that's kind of how we talk to ourselves. So self-compassion is, you know, rewriting that with it's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. Like, what do you need right now? You're having a hard time right now, acknowledging your suffering and being with yourself through that suffering rather than criticizing yourself for it. Mm -hmm. And another thing I was just thinking about, like, you know, thinking about the five components of self-esteem, but everything else that we've been talking about, um, Mm -hmm. through this conversation and, um, like feelings of worth and things like that. Like, I think a lot of times we think of self-esteem as like, like outward confidence in Mm -hmm. oneself. And I mean, I feel like confidence is um, a part of it, but like everything Mm -hmm. we've been talking about are like internal Mm -hmm. things, which I think is really important for people to recognize and realize it's not like, oh, I have high self-esteem because I look killer in this outfit, which that (laughs) might um, increase your self-esteem and self-confidence and things like that, but that there's so much more Mm -hmm. inner work. And that's what self-esteem truly is there's so much more just like being being there for yourself showing up for yourself knowing and I would say like confidence on the outside but also confidence in yourself of knowing you know how to take care of yourself when you're upset you know what you how to identify what your needs boundaries wants values are and how to assert them that's that's self-esteem to Mm -hmm. me those five components yeah Well, and going back to um, one of the first things you said about self-esteem impacts how we choose a healthy partner Mm -hmm. or choose a partner in general, I guess I should say. Mm -hmm. And then going back to the last question I just asked you about like how this enhanced self-esteem can help the relationship. Like, yeah, it can definitely help it positively, but it also may help somebody realize like, okay, now that I am Mm -hmm. more self-confident, I have higher self-esteem, I am self-compassionate. I'm recognizing, okay, these are unhealthy patterns Mm -hmm. in my relationship. And then going back to everything else you've already talked about. Yeah. um, And that because, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that can probably impact the relationship as well, either ending a relationship or Mm -hmm. um, being the reason a couple seeks out therapy. For sure. It changes the way you view your relationship, right? It changes why you're in the relationship when you don't have um, a sense of your own needs, boundaries, values, wants, um, how could you be asking for them in the relationship? So sometimes, yeah, you're doing the work of building your relationship with yourself and you realize, whoa, I'm not okay with this. Whoa, I want more of this. Like this is a value for me. And you might recognize that or realize that your partner doesn't necessarily honor those boundaries, doesn't share those values. Um, or is treating you in a way that you're not okay with. And so it can totally change the way you view a relationship. I think that's a really good point. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have loved hearing your insights and talking about um, everything we've discussed because I feel like anybody listening, whether they're currently in a relationship, have never been in a relationship in relationships Mm -hmm. in the past, or just even if they want to work on their own self-esteem that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with a relationship, will get something out of this um, episode. But as we're wrapping up, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you want to touch on? 
You know, I think the only thing is just, we've talked a lot about what an unhealthy relationship is. I just want to kind of say a little bit about maybe what would make a healthy relationship. Um, I would say mutual trust. So, you know, trusting each other, not making attempts to control out of jealousy. You know, jealousy is is an emotion. It'll come up. Um, But choosing to trust each other, building that mutual trust, mutual respect, um, especially mutual respect for autonomy, that we have our own emotions, we make our own decisions. There's some decisions we'll make together in a relationship, but um, respecting your partner's autonomy and feeling like they they respect you as well. Um, mutual emotional support, and then healthy communication patterns like we talked about. So naming when an emotion is getting too strong and you need a break rather than engaging in an ineffective or hurtful behavior like slamming the door or saying something hurtful, you know, things like that. And then again, just remembering that healthy relationships are going to have their ups and downs too, and um, but they'll be less frequent and less intense and feel more like that rough patch um, than a never-ending roller coaster. And I think too, one other thing going back to dating and also kind of being in a relationship is just so many people are talking about looking for their other half. And um, that's a whole, we could do a whole other conversation on that, like toxic romanticism, but just that you are not a half, like stop searching for your other half. You can be, if you don't feel like you are right now, you can be a whole person. and look for another whole person. And you embody this by validating your own self, knowing how to take good care of your own self, building your self-esteem. You know, that is what I think amounts to feeling like I'm a whole person and I'm showing up in this relationship as a whole person and looking for someone else who can do the same. And we complement each other, but we are not halves. We are whole people. So I think that's just what I want to leave everyone with. No, I love that. I love that ending. And it's something so important to think about. And yeah, that could probably be a whole uh-huh, <laughs> other thing yeah. episode as well. But yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Kelsey, for all your insights and having yeah. this conversation with me today. It, um, it was great. And I've learned a lot. And like I said, I think anybody listening, whether it's because they're listening because of a relationship or the self-esteem component can mm-hmm. get something out of this episode. Um, so the last thing is where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I am mostly on Instagram and it's at KelseyWonderland.therapy. Um, and I wonder if you might be able to put that in because my last name is a little hard to spell. Yes. I'll Um, I'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. And then my website, um, KelseyWonderland.com. And I talk lots more about these kind of things on my Instagram. Um, and then, On my website, you can find my free resource for building self-love and self-esteem. It's the free guide um, to self-love. And then I also have a workbook on there where I give you ideas for those things we talked about earlier, like what do I do for fun and help you apply those five components of self-esteem to your own life. Um, And so that is the self-love how-to workbook and that's all on my website. Awesome. Well, I am sure a number of people after listening to this episode will want to follow and reach out and connect with you. Um, It's been great having this conversation and thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to chat with me. Um, Thank you. It was so awesome to be here. I love talking about this stuff. Like I could go on forever. So um, thank you so much for having me and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk, and I will see you in the next episode. 
Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.